Yeah, we had a, a wonderful time in Stockholm, Sweden um, last weekend. We were speaking at a uh, prayer and prophetic conference on the Friday and Saturday. And then on the Sunday was at a church called One Heart. And it was just a really encouraging to see lots of different nations coming together. And just seeing the unity, the sense of oneness, that we're all part of the same family. How many of you know that? We're all part of the same family. And God has called us to be one people. And there's something very powerful uh, when we join together. And I see God mending nets, joining nets so that we can reach more people. Well, we're going to be carrying on our series today called Love Revolution. Um, Steve Kitt did a really good job last week um, sharing on, on Love Revolution. And it's our mission, all of us as believers, to share God's love with other people. So we're going to be carrying on that. And uh, the message I've titled today is Everyone's a VIP. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a VIP. You know, I have, um, I remember during sabbatical uh, a few years ago, visiting lots of different churches. Well, I think on sabbatical, sabbatical is meant to be a time of rest, but it's also a time of reflection and learning. And uh, whilst we were looking at lots of different churches, I think we visited like something like 36 churches uh, in three months. And it was amazing, you know, right from like 20,000 people to kind of 20 people, lots of different styles, flavors, denominations. And it was great just learning, meeting lots of new people. But I noticed that in some of the churches, they have like a VIP area. And basically, the VIP area was for those who were new people. And so I understood the concept of what they were saying. But I remember me and Laura, we were invited to the VIP area. And I said to Laura, hey, aren't we all VIPs here? And that's the reality is that we're all VIPs. You are a very important person to God. He loves you. He's called you. He's, he's got a plan and purpose for your life. And he wants you to walk in the fullness of all that he has for you. So we're going to be looking at this. And, and I think with this message of, of the love revolution, it has to start from a place of understanding that you are loved. Because it's very difficult to give what you do not have. And when we understand God's love for us, it changes us. It changes the way that we think. It changes the way that we speak. changes the way that we feel. It changes the experience that we have in our lives. So we're going to look at a chunk of scripture um, in Luke chapter 15. This uh, is a passage about the lost sheep, the lost coin. And then we're going to look at the lost son. So we're going to have a look um, at this from Luke chapter 15 and verse 1. It says this, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So you can see here Jesus getting a little bit of a telling off. They're not too happy with him because they're like, why are you hanging out with these people who have very questionable reputations? But of course, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Verse 3, so Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? 
And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrived, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Do you know that every time someone makes their peace with God, there's a big celebration in heaven? And it's never, you're, you're never too young to receive Christ into your life, and you're never too old. But the Bible does say today's the day of salvation. So there's something about us responding to, to the message of God's love. Let's carry on in this passage of Scripture. We're going to look at the lost coin now. Verse 8, well, suppose a woman who has ten silver coins and loses one, won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So again, we see this picture of celebration. We see this, this message of treasure that we are valuable to God. And then this is my favorite story afterwards. This is the parable of the lost son. Verse 11. To illustrate this point further, Jesus told them a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Well, that's a, a pretty offensive thing to say to the, the father. In Jewish culture, it was basically saying, I wish you were dead. Give me what's my inheritance now. But his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. How many of you think that guy's hit rock bottom? That is pretty low. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding to the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, and this is a key, a key bit I want to highlight here. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran towards his son. He embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. 
How many of you know God likes to party? He loves to celebrate. Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field working when he returned home and he heard music and dancing in the house. And he was asked, he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years, I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all the time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. You had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. What an amazing, amazing story there that this is how our God is. You know, many of us, maybe when you think about when you mess up, when you get it wrong, that, you know, dad's going to be really angry with you and, you know, he's, he's going to give you a hiding when you come home. But the reality is that wasn't the response of the father. The father was looking out for his son. And when his son returned, he restored him fully to the family. And I think that the voice of religion is one of punishment, whereas the voice of the father is one of restoration. And you need to know that even when you get it wrong, even when you mess up, your father is about restoration. He is a God of love. And it's important that we embrace this message because sometimes we can act and behave a little bit like the older brother who says, well, hang on, you know, I've been, I've been following all these laws, I've been doing all these things, I've never strayed. Yet the reality was he actually had, had a bit of a bad attitude. There were some issues going on internally. And, and there he was feeling very cross and very angry because there was a party being thrown for his, for his brother who, who had you know, been lost and squandered so much. I believe that when we gather together as the family of God, it should be like a big celebration welcoming people home. And I believe that you know, we should, as a church, be good at knowing how to party, knowing how to express the joy of God as lost people are found and come home. This is the gospel message. We were all once lost. But Jesus has found us. He's brought us back to him. He didn't reject us. He didn't abandon us. He didn't punish us, but in his love, he reached out for us. Jesus is the host who sits down with sinners. Jesus is the good shepherd who pursued us. Jesus is the persistent housekeeper seeking good treasure. And Jesus is the father welcoming his children home. We are his children, and you are his treasure. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and encourage them today and say, you are his treasure. And I think sometimes when we hear these messages, intellectually we can say, yeah, I'm his treasure, I'm his child. But the reality is for some of us here today, we don't really believe that. And, and my prayer is that there will be a real shift in your heart where it won't just be something intellectually that you believe, 
there will be something that really sinks down into your heart that you know that you're a child of God and that you are loved by him, treasured by him. But in each and every one of our lives, there has to be a point that like the prodigal son, he went off and the father didn't stop him. Notice that the father didn't chase after the son or try and control him and say, no, you're not leaving. You've got to stay here. You see, God is the perfect gentleman. And he let him, he, he, he gives us free will and he let the son go off. But the son had to hit that rock bottom for himself. And sometimes when we're loving and we're reaching out to other people, sometimes we have to let people experience consequences. Notice that the father didn't run after, you know, the son. And when he was, you know, feeding the pigs, he, he, he wasn't like, oh, I've brought, you know, a, a duvet and a, and a nice cushions. And, you know, I've brought you some chocolates and I've brought you some steak, you know, to keep you comfortable. No, he didn't. Sometimes this is tough love where we have to let people make their own decisions and for the consequences to hit. Because then... We see in this passage of scripture, it says that the son came to his senses. My prayer is that we will come to our senses. Because when we come to our senses, it's like the light comes on, suddenly things shift and change. And we're like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And the son turned and he started to head back towards the father. May we turn, may we head towards the father. It says in James 4, 8, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Now love is, is not just what God does, but love is who God is. It's, it's part of his character, it's part of his nature. And the reality is, have you ever thought about this, that God's the author of love, and so without God, without God there would be no love. So he's the author of love, he's the reason why we can love. In 1 John 4, 7 and 8, it says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It is our royal responsibility that we share God's love with other people. And it's in loving others that we most look like God, that we most sound like Him. We're here on earth to represent this God of love. And sometimes God gets some bad press, doesn't He? Sometimes bad things happen around the world and people say, oh, it's, you know, it's God's fault. But the reality is, God is, as we were hearing earlier on, as Joanne was encouraging us, like God's good all the time. All the time, God is good. He is a God of love. And we're here to be people that share that message with the world around. So what is this love revolution? Rev love revolution is about an overwhelming movement of love that transforms people and places. How many of you want to see lives transformed? How many of you want to see ports of city transformed? How many of you want to see our nation and the nations of the world transformed? Well, this is how we best see that, through a love revolution. And the love revolution must start with Jesus Christ. A love revolution impacts everything that we say, that we think, and that we do. It permeates our culture, 
and our way of life. Love Revolution is a powerful move of God that sees the lost found, the broken healed, the lonely welcomed into community. Love Revolution starts with encountering a loving God, receiving his love and allowing God's love to flow out from us to touch the lives of others. You know, last week, Steve shared about the seven love languages. Normally, we refer to the five love languages through Gary Chapman's book, but he, I like the, the two additional ones that he added. So just to recap them, he spoke about big ears for listening. He spoke about words of aff affirmation. He spoke about praying for others. He spoke about acts of service, generosity, spending quality time together, and appropriate physical touch. One of our sayings here at CLC, and, and I hope that you've memorized, I hope that you're sharing it with others as well, is everyone's a VIP. And so whoever comes in to the doors, whoever comes in and watches online, we want everyone to know you're a VIP. That means that you're loved by God, that you're chosen by him, that you have a royal assignment for your life, that you're made in the image and likeness of God. We want everyone to feel valued that when they leave this place or, or having, you know, experienced the church online, that people go away with their head held high, feeling like, wow, I'm a somebody, I'm loved, I have meaning for my life. Whether it's the bin man or the businessman, the school teacher or the Sainsbury's worker, the unemployed or the employed, the young or the old, the black or the white, the whosoever, everyone is a VIP, loved by God. So how can we live out this love revolution? How can we uh, live out this message that everyone is a VIP? Well, I think Steve did a great job last week at unpacking some of that. But we're just going to look at a few other aspects that link in with Steve's message. So the first point I want to say is this. First of all, it starts with reaching out to one another. Reaching out to one another. You know, I, I think that when we went through the pandemic, I think that there were some positive things that came out of the pandemic. But I, I think that there was also there was a lot of negative bad things. And if I'm honest, I think that one of the bad things that came out of the pandemic is that, that many of us, we, we got used to being in isolation. We got used to being in preservation mode. That we were very good at, hey, as long as I'm okay and my household, that's good enough. And, and, and the reality is that many of us became very inward looking. And it's taken time for, for people to shift and, and change out of that. You know, we, we kind of learn to enjoy our own company. And it's good to be able to enjoy your own company. But you need to know you live for a cause far greater than your own. It's not just about living for you and your family. There's a much bigger picture. God has a bigger mission and assignment for your life. Now, I know that some of you maybe are a little bit shy, a, a little bit lacking in confidence maybe. But each and every one of you needs to know that you're loved and valued. You are loved and valued and you each have a significant role to play in God's house. You know, uh, we had our first session of Transformed Life and Alpha on Wednesday, which was really great. And 
us with the guys with Transform Life, and we were just hearing some of the stories and testimonies about how people ended up connecting with the church here. And um, Rachel was sharing some of her story about how she really experienced the love of God and just felt so welcomed by people. And, and you know, that she saw that message about, like, welcome home that we used to have uh, on the stage, the signs that we have. Now we've got it in the foyer. Hopefully you've seen those messages, you know, you are loved, you know, welcome home, you belong here. But she said it wasn't just empty words. She said, I really felt it. I felt like I was included in a family. I felt like that there was a warm embrace. I felt like that, I'm, that I was valuable, that, I was, that I, I was a somebody in that place. So I want to encourage each and every one of you to be people that reach out to others. Don't just isolate. Don't just play it safe. Don't just play the, the comfortable card. But reach out to one another. You know, God has called us to be a people that extend that, that hand of friendship, that we share that love with one another. And you just don't know, you don't know what that person's going to. You know, this week I had a, a text message. I had a text message from uh, a friend of mine who goes to another church. And there was a young lad that um, he had been reaching out to. Uh, and he bumped into this guy in, in the sauna. I think he, they were in the sauna at um, what was Rocco. Now it's the Portness. What's it called now, Dave? Pompey Health Club. So this guy was at the Portsmouth Health Club. He was in the sauna. And my friend um, basically started like witnessing to this guy and sharing Jesus with him. And said, can I pray with you? And uh, this guy was like, yeah, please do. This is not a guy from like a church background, but he is in need. He's lost and he needs to be found. And so my friend starts reaching out and praying with him. And this guy has a real experience with God. And he actually uh, had an opportunity to kind of follow him up and pray with him again and share the good news message with him again. Well, I had a text message um, yesterday, you know, saying, Daniel, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but this young guy committed suicide. And this was one of the young lads when I worked at um, City Boys, Did I Do Enough? And uh, I went back through my Facebook and I looked through the messages that, that I'd been sending to this young lad. And I'd been praying, if I'd have known that it was this serious, that he, I didn't realize he was that hurt, that he was that lost, that he was that broken. If, if only I'd known, I would have done more. I would have said more, I'd have reached out more. Guys, you never know what people are going through. And, and we might get one opportunity that someone walks through these doors or someone logs in online, the church online, where you don't know what they're going through. And, you know, I looked at a picture of this guy. You know, he obviously looked very different when he was at school, a lot younger. But he was like a good-looking young lad. He had a good job. And he had a loving family around him. So you say, like, what? You know, how did that happen? But this is the reality that we live in a world where so many people, and I'll be honest, there was a time when I had a little bit of a nudge. There'd been messages backwards and forwards, but I remember this occasion where I had this little nudge, like, send him a message, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So there's a little bit of an element for me of regret because 
you know, it was an element of what was the Holy Spirit doing. The Holy Spirit was nudging me. But what, what happened? I got busy. And Lord, I repent of that. Because the reality is each and every one of us, we get these little nudges, these little promptings to say something, to reach out, to, to send a message. Never assume that just because someone's all smiles and, and they look happy and, you know, they look successful. I know there was a, a story, it was about a year ago, there was a guy, you know, who was pastoring a really big church, like it was, a, you know, a few thousand strong, it was an amazing church. He had like a beautiful family and that pastor committed suicide. And I was like, what? That's crazy, like, he's teaching on God's love. And yet there was some pain, there was some disconnect. Again, never assume that people are okay. But it starts with us reaching out. It starts with us expressing God's love and his kindness. Not just in these walls, and I think in a sense it's really easy to practice here in church when we have these gatherings together. This is a really good training ground. This is a good greenhouse. Because, you know, 99% of the time, people are going to be really loving and, and, and reciprocate. But we also need to be people that are doing it out there in the world. That we need to have that boldness and courage to share God's love in whatever ways that we can do that. Reach out to one another. Now, for some of you that might be a little bit shy when it comes to you know, conversation, maybe feeling a bit lacking in confidence. I want to share a few questions that you can ask. But, you know, just to remind you of my testimony, I remember praying, God, I want the church to grow. I want to see more people coming into to your church. I, I want to see your kingdom expand. And, and, and I was a little bit frustrated that the church, you know, wasn't growing. And I remember, like, God saying to me one day, Daniel, you keep praying for the church to grow, but when I send you people, you don't even speak to them. I was like, whoa, you know, God, you know, just hit me between the eyes. Like, it was a real challenging moment, but God loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. But he's changing us from the inside out. And so we've got to be open to that, that voice of the Lord that calls us up higher and saying, come on, there's more in you. There's more that I've called you to do and to be. And so what did I start doing? I started reaching out to people. And I'll be honest with you. Like when I was younger, I used to struggle with talking to new people. Like that's a confession. Like, you know, some of you might be surprised. I even as a youngster was, was really scared about like using the telephone. You, you might be thinking like, what are you going on about? Who's scared of using the telephone? But I was so worried about, like, but what if I don't know what to say? And here's the thing, like, how did I overcome that? How did I break that? I had to feel the fear and do it anyway. I had to feel the fear and do it anyway and just start stepping out and trusting God. And you ask my girls now, you know, when we, when we got on the aeroplane, they saw that I was striking up a conversation with, with this young lad who was next to me. And they're like, there we go, dad's at it again. He's talking, he's going to be ministering, he's going to be praying, he's going to be encouraging. And, and I had this, yeah, two and a quarter hours, just had this amazing conversation with this young guy, uh, this young guy from London, student. Amazing time, just, yeah, 
Yes, so sometimes you have to feel the fear and do it anyway. Sometimes you just have to, to trust God and step out. And as you do that, you know, you don't need to be perfect in your delivery. You just need to know how to love. And know this, that it's not about you having the perfect words. But it's about trusting that Holy Spirit's going to fill in the gaps. And sometimes I've come away and, and I've felt like, oh, like I really fumbled that. I really, you know, didn't do a, a polished and perfect job. And then later on, sometimes I hear feedback where it says, oh, my life was transformed. I changed, like made a difference. And I'm like, whoa, I'm, I feel so weak. But here's the good news. In my weakness, God is strong. And you need to know this, that in your weakness, God is strong. So as you, as you, I think he's just looking, he's looking, he's not looking for ability, he's looking for availability. Will you make yourself available to him? And as we make ourselves available to God, God will use us to communicate his love that transforms lives. So reach out to one another. And I want to encourage you because when we have this, one of my favorite parts of the service is when we welcome one another. Like, I love that part, because it's an opportunity to connect. It's an opportunity to encourage. And, I, I, you know, I know some of you, you know, might struggle a little bit on that area. And I want to say to you, I want to challenge you that next time, if you're one of those people that you just stay in your seat, I want to challenge you. Why don't you get up and welcome one person? Why don't you go and say hello to one person? Why don't you go and ask them? And, and you know, I've just got, it sounds like, Silly to, to mention some basic questions, but I think sometimes there has to be some teaching around this stuff because we, we're not always, what, what's obvious to some of us is not obvious to others. You know, so you might, here's some classic questions I typically throw out when I'm talking with people. I'll say, how's your week been? And then just listen. I mean, it's not like you're, you're asking, you know, what is your interpretation of Revelation chapter 18, verse 3? Like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to get into theology. You just have to care about people. How was your week? And listen. And, and what I want to say is this. Don't just listen with your ears. Listen with your heart. You know, uh, when Lucy Swales came in uh, this morning, and I said, hey, how are you doing, Lucy? And she hesitated. And then said, yeah, I'm all right. And I said, there was hesitation there. I said, are you sure? And she said, oh, actually, I, you know, I've been not feeling great, my back. And so, you know, sometimes it's just about like listening to one another. It's one of such a powerful way that we communicate God's love when we listen to people. And can I say this? When you are listening, look at the person. <laughs> now, I'm not saying like, because some people, you know, will go, right, I'm going to look at the person. And then they go into stare mode. And they don't want to break eyes. So, like, I'm not saying get all weird and stare at people. Like, you know, look away time to time. But have you ever been in a conversation where you're talking with someone and they're looking at the person behind? Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, because maybe there's someone more interesting to talk to. And, and so, and I know it's difficult because we live in a very distracted world. But, you know, just by when you're talking with someone, look into their eyes. You know, I, when you've got that eye contact, it's like the visual handshake. And so it shows them that like you're valuable. Here's other questions that I might ask. Like, how is your family? How long have you been coming to City Life Church? I 
That's a good question, isn't it? This is one of my favorite ones. How did you find out about CELOC? And it's always really interesting hearing the answers. You know, tell me about, like, your, what's your story? That's a great question to ask people. What's your story? Tell me a bit about your life. And I appreciate that, obviously, you know, when you're in the meet and greet the welcome bit, you're limited in time, so you might not want to ask that one. But, you know, having tea and coffee afterwards when there's a little bit more time, then that's a great opportunity, isn't it? So be encouraged. Reach out to one. Turn to your neighbor and say, reach out to one another. Okay. Next one, major on the common ground, not on the differences. Let me say that again, major on the common ground, not on the differences. Now, I love the fact that as a church, we're really diverse. And I believe that that's going to become, we're going to become more diverse. But there's a sense that we have oneness in, in our unity around our love for God and the message of the cross. Now, within this room, you're not going to find two people who agree about every, every single thing. There's going to be differences. So within this room, there's going to be differences. Even like theologically, I mean, we have our core fundamentals that we believe, like Jesus is the savior of the world. Like That's a non-negotiable. Like We believe in the message of the cross. We believe in the Trinity, Father, God, Holy Spirit. But there are some things that like it's, it's like... You're going to have difference of opinion. So if we talk about like end times, for example, you know, there, there are different views within, within Christianity around like when Jesus is coming back. Some people believe in the rapture. Some people don't. Some people believe in, in gifts of the spirit. Other people, they have a, a slightly different view. And, and, but I think that the best way that we can actually have an influence on people's lives is through love and honor and respect. Like, if you go into argumentative mode, you're, you're actually probably going to cause that person to, to really dig their heels in more to their point of view. But in my understanding, in my experience, that when you show love and respect and you honor people, and you say, hey, I'm really fascinated in your point of view. Like, tell me more about that. And normally when you come in with that honor and that respect, people are like, hey, I'm interested like, in your point of view. So actually we're going to see more transformation through love, through respect, through honor. And the reality is like, we all see in part. That's what the Apostle Paul says. We each have a, a jigsaw piece. And as we bring our jigsaw pieces together, we see more of a complete picture of Christ. But it's important that if we want to see unity in the body of Christ, that we major on our common ground, not on the differences. You know, within this room, if I was to say, who do you vote for politically? It's going to be different responses. And some of you will say, I don't even care about politics. So again, there's differences of opinion. We're going to have, if we say, what football team do you support? It's going to be difference of opinion. We know God supports us, Matt, though, don't we? That there's going to be difference of, of dress style, and there's going to be different cultures that we have represented, different ages. And I want to say this, young people, young people, we need the older generation. Or should we say the more senior generation? Because there's so much lessons to be learned. 
And I think that this is something the British culture doesn't do very well. We need to get better at it because in other cultures, there's a real honoring of, of the, the more senior generation. And we need to be better at this. Ultimately, what we want is not a British culture. We don't want an American culture, an Aussie culture, a Nigerian culture, a Chinese culture. We want kingdom culture. We want heaven on earth. We want to represent God's love towards one another. So I encourage you, you know, major on the common ground. Because the reality is, when we focus on those little things, it can bring division. You know, people can say, oh, well, he's a man united. Cameron's a man united fan, so I'm not going to talk to him. You know, theologically, they're called the Red Devils, but we won't go there, you know. But the reality is, like, God wants us to be a people that we celebrate our diversity. I want to say in a righteous way as well. Okay, here's the third point I want to say. Serving one another in humility. Serving one another in humility. This is another way that we live out that VIP culture. And I want to say this. There doesn't have to be a reason or an obvious prompt to do it. Like, it, it doesn't have to be like an obvious thing of, oh, at this time we do this certain thing, so therefore I should, you know, serve. Like, like use your initiative. As your pastor, I want to say to you, use your initiative to serve in humility. Who is the ultimate example of humility? Jesus. King of the universe, seated on the throne of heaven, humbles himself, comes down to the earth. And what did he do? He served. Cooked the disciples' breakfast on the beach. He washed their feet. He loved them. And this is this is the example of servant leadership. We're all called to lead because we're all called to lead a godly example. We're all called to lead people to Christ. We're all called to, to be influencers in the world. So we're here to follow the ultimate leader. Strong leadership shows that we can come under submission of other leadership. And ultimately, we're under the leadership of Jesus Christ. But we're to serve one another in humility. And I give you permission to use your initiative. What does initiative mean? It means doing the right thing without being asked. So how does this look? I don't know, let's say someone starts having a coughing fit in the service. Some of you think, oh, that's really annoying. Wow, it's really affected me here at the message. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't you use your initiative, go and get some water, and go and give it to that person. That would be a good thing to do, wouldn't it? You know, if, if you see someone who comes into the church and they're looking a little bit lost, a little bit lonely, don't assume, oh, well, Pastor Daniel loves everyone, so he's going to talk to them. Hey, there's only one of me. There's only one of me. Guys, like, to be a welcoming church, it's not about one person. We've got to own it as church, as family, that we're going to love on people. We don't know. We might get one chance. I've heard testimonies of this where someone said, I'm going to church, and this is my last chance, and God, if I don't experience your love, like, that's it. 
and people have caught themselves because they've had negative experience. But thank God for the many positive experiences where people came along and said, I was reached out, I was crying out, okay, Lord, just one more chance. And, and someone reached out and loved them and welcomed and prayed for them. But God's called us to be people that serve one another in humility. If you see a spillage and you can deal with it, what are you going to do? Just mop it up. Just clean it up. If you're not sure where, you know, the mop is, just ask someone. This is your home. This is your family. Let's use our initiative. You know, I, 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 this morning when I, was, when I was out, I walked in the foyer and I noticed that there was loads of like rag tissue that was all on the floor in the, in the foyer. So what did I do? It was pretty broken. I just put it in the bin. I went outside, looked down the steps, you know, surveying the steps because, you know, first impressions matter. And what did I see on the side of the steps? Pretty gross, but a fox had left a little present on the, on the steps. It was pretty gross. So what did I do? I went, Dora, can you go and clear up? No, what did I do? I went and got a sur- I went and got a serviette. It was the only thing I could find. I picked it up and I put it in the bin. I don't. Please, please hear me. I'm not telling you this to say, look how great I am. Like I need a savior. I need God's grace just as much as everyone else. But I, hopefully, I'm sharing it with an example to encourage you that let's all share it together. As this church grows and new people are coming in, don't assume that, oh, well, Karen Yoxall, she's amazing. Where's Karen? Is she around? I know I've seen her. Where is she? Oh, there's Karen. Karen's amazing at, like, welcoming new people in the church. But there's only one of Karen. And, And so as each of us, we take our responsibility to share God's love. You know, I've shared this before, but I will say it again. You know what? The number one people, why people join CLC. It's not because of how amazing the preaching is. It's not because of the worship team and and the good job that they do. It's not because of the nice facility, the building that we have. The number one reason, nine times out of ten, why people join this church, they say, I felt welcomed. I felt loved. So the reality is, it's not, it's not about what happens on the platform. It's about us sharing the love of God. So if we want to see the church, like, you know, I look around, I think there's empty chairs. This place should be filled. And I think when we really tap in to what it means to live out a love revolution, I believe that there won't be enough room to receive the people that will come. And if we really get this revelation about God's love for us and how we're called to love with others as well, I believe there will be people queuing up to get in to experience a genuine encounter with God's love. So let's be people that serve one another in humility. A really simple, easy way that we can do it in the British culture is can I get you a cup of tea? Adam's really good at this. You know, when we, when we connect at Live Lounge, can I get you a cup of coffee? You know, and we often like try and beat one another now because then if I get in first, oh, I've got you a coffee, you know. And, and so it's just a really simple way, isn't it? 
Because when someone's got a cup of tea or a coffee in their hand, it relaxes them. And something in the British culture is a way that we extend that hospitality towards one another. You know, Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you serve. And yet, what do we hear the message in the world? If you want to be great, everyone must serve you. It's the wrong way around. If you want to be great, serve others. And I'm so thankful for the amazing servants that we have, you know, in this church. You know, so thankful. Are you fulfilling your role as a servant of the King? And again, it's not just about what happens on Sunday. It's every day of the week. Here's my next point. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. This is about sharing honest words of appreciation, affirming one another. Like, what do you admire about other people? What do you appreciate about someone else? I'm not talking about flattery. I'm not talking about, you know, just boosting someone's ego. I'm talking about being sincere. And I want to say this, that the more specific you can be, the more powerful it is. When I was working in education, they would teach this. They would say, hey, like, if you want to encourage a student, don't just say, that's good work. Like, why is it good work? What's good about it? Do you like the handwriting? Do you like the, 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 the verbs that they use? Is there a particular story, you know, that, that, you know aspect of the story that's like, be specific? And, and that does mean that sometimes you have to be a little bit more thoughtful. And I think in the, in the busyness of life, it's good to slow down to think, yeah, okay, I'm going to think. But what do I really appreciate? What do I really admire? You know, in my role, I'll often do funerals. And it's really heartwarming hearing like amazing things said about the impact that people had on others' lives. But here's the really sad thing. Is that quite often what is shared when the person is gone, they're no longer there. Okay. That was never shared when they were alive. I think how sad is that? We need to, you know, there's a saying, isn't there? Live each day as if it's your last think that we should be encouraging one another and that that should be part of our DNA as followers of Christ, that we're constantly encouraging one another and everyone needs encouragement. Here's my fifth and final point. Be gracious towards one another and be a peacemaker. Be gracious towards one another and be a peacemaker. It's very easy to judge other people we have to understand everyone's going through their stuff and but for the grace of God they'll see so be gracious don't fault find don't be someone who's constantly scrutinizing or looking for faults looking for flaws like unless you've walked in that person's shoes you don't really have a clue and so we need to be people that are gracious towards one another yes of course we need to be people who speak the truth in love need to be gracious towards one another and be peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, I often say this phrase, grace is the glue that holds the church together. The reality is that at times there will be times where the people of God, the family of God, we clash. There are sparks that fly. There there are differences that we have to navigate. But we need to be mature and committed to 
you're working through our differences. So if you fall out with someone in the church, don't be immature, I'm finding myself a new church. Come on, grow up. I'm sure Jesus and the, the, the disciples, they had some right old Barneys. I bet they really did. I mean, come on, you had Peter there, didn't you? He was a hothead. But often, that's how we grow. We pray these prayers, don't we? Jesus, I want to be more like you. And then what happens? You get sent someone who really pushes your buttons. Maybe at work, sometimes in the church. And we're like, oh, they're doing me head in. And the Lord says, but I thought you said you wanted to be more like me. So he sends us people. You know, some people describe them as sandpaper people. (laughs) They're there to knock off your rough edges. And often it's not about them changing, but it's about you changing. And as you change, it begins to change the situation. Pray the prayer, Lord, help me to see people the way that you do. It shifts things. And the reality is that hurting people hurt others. So often, you know, those, I love that quote, Steve, that you shared last week, you know, about those who we think are least deserving of the love of God are actually the ones who most hurt all of us. And so if we extend that love, we will begin to see the transformation in others. Let's be a church that fuel the love revolution in our city, in our nation, and the nations of the earth. Let's let's bring about a love revolution, not just here in the church, not just when we're gathered within these walls. Yes, we want to practice here. We want to do a really great job of it here. But let's also do it when we're out there on the mission field in the city. Let's stand to our feet. Let's just close our, mo- uh, close our eyes in this moment. And let the Holy Spirit highlight anything that he wants to highlight from the talk today. Lord, we thank you did not reject us or abandon us even though we've messed up so many times but Lord you you welcome us with arms wide open Father I pray for each and every person Lord in this room those watching online Lord give us a greater understanding and revelation of your love pray that it won't just be an intellectual understanding, but Lord, that we will really get it in our heart, that we'll believe it, that we will know that truth that will set us free. And Lord, we know it's not just enough to receive your love, but Lord, you've also called us to pass that love on to others. Lord, I pray that you would teach us what it means to reach out, to look past the masks, the facades, the how things appear on the surface. Lord, give us a deeper discernment.
this greater passion. And Lord, I pray that whatever we do, Lord, in our place of work, place of study, whatever it is that we do, our, our roles and responsibilities in life, may we do it with heartfelt love. Lord, we know that in our own efforts, in our own abilities, we're limited. But God, with your spirit within us, you are love. You live within us. There's no limits. So, Father, we just pray. I pray that, Lord, that there will be a love revolution that starts within you and just flows out. That, Lord, that we might see people and places transformed by the good news that stands in the truth of our gospel. We give you permission to change us from the inside out. Lord, we repent for times that we've just been, we've adopted a consumer mindset when it comes to following you, Lord. Where we've just, you know, oh, I've done my church bit, tick, and then we go off and we live our lives as if nothing's really changed. Lord, help us, teach us what it means to follow you, Jesus, every single day. Lord, give us the right words to say. Anoint our ears to listen. May we be known as the most generous people on the planet. May we be humble servants wherever we go. May we invest time, Lord, in one another as the family of God. And Lord God, we pray that for those that are lost, Lord, in the world, those that are hurt, those that are broken, We pray for every prodigal, Lord, those that have, have wandered from you, those that, that do not know you as their loving Heavenly Father. We pray that every prodigal son or daughter will come to their senses and that they will turn towards you, Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord God, as well, that you teach us what it means to party and that, Lord, there will be such an overflow of joy peace and love in our hearts, Lord, that spreads throughout. We commit all of these things to your name, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.